welcome to selfdiscoveryradio.com. With over 1,400 shows, we have the answers for you. Enjoy your listening on selfdiscoveryradio.com. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Their Story Matters. I'm your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest today is Angela Peabody. We're going to be talking about something that I know that you prefer to turn a deaf ear on, the blind eye. Oh, this can't still be going on in the world, but it is, and we need to talk about it, because that's the only way we're going to stop it. We're talking about female genital uh, mutilation. And this is something that's still going on in many parts of the world, but it's also going on in the U.S. Practices that are still happening kind of underground. And it is absolutely disgraceful. And we are in 2016. These type of things should not be happening anymore. They never should have happened in the first place. So what is female uh, genital mutilation? It is more commonly known as female circumcision and it is the international removal of external parts of the female genitalia for non-medical reasons. And uh, we're going to be talking about why they do this. It's all to please the man. It's all to control the woman, own her, take away any form of pleasure that she may have. God forbid she should have any. Um, why is this still being a practice today? Uh, why is nothing being done about it? And a lot of it is fo focuses because we don't know about it. We think this is something that happens in third and fourth world countries. Uh, we think that it's something that we're seeing stopping around the world, but it isn't. So let's speak about it. Let's make this heard, have a conversation, educate people, because the only way we are going to stop it is by bringing awareness to it. Angela's dedicated herself to this. She's an executive director and founder of the Global Woman Peace Foundation an organization founded on the principles of eliminating violence and injustices against women and girls. The mission of the organization is to empower women and girls through education to eradicate gender-based violence and emphasis on female genital cutting. She's a graduate school of, uh, of journalism at Columbia University and after a celebrated career in television broadcasting, journalist in um, Liberia, and a special press secretary to the country's first woman Minister of Agriculture, Angela immigrated to the United States following a bloody and brutal coup d'etat in her native Liberia. So she's seen it firsthand. She knows what she's talking about. She's got a passion and a drive to make these changes. So uh, her latest book is When the Games Froze, and we'll be talking about her book as well. And um, let's find out why is this still happening? And what can we do about it? Welcome to the show, Angela. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Now, of course, this is not something that people talk about. Um, I don't think they really actually understand in, in North America's or Western cultures what this is or why this is even is a thing and, uh, and to the extent of what a woman suffers um, going through it and afterwards. So... Maybe we can talk a little bit actually about what it is so people truly understand the uh, the magnitude. Well, as you said um, earlier, female genital mutilation or in some parts they call it female genital cutting, um, it's, it's more commonly known as circumcision, female circumcision, is the intentional removal of the external parts of the female, either all of it or parts of the female genitalia for non-medical reasons. 
There are absolutely no medical reasons why this should be done. Um, and they have three, they have four types actually of, um, of female genital mutilation. The first type is known as the um, Suna circumcision, which consists of the removal of the prupus and the which is the retractable fold of the skin and the tip of the clitoris and then the um, type 2 is the clitoridectomy which consists of the removal of the entire clitoris um, the glands and the removal of the adjacent labia um, the third all of all of the types are really grave but the Type number three is the gravest of all. It's the infibulation type, which is known as the pharaonic circumcision. Um, it consists of performing the entire clitoridectomy, which is the removal of all or part of the labia minora and the labia majora, as well as the clitoris. And um, in that, in this type, this particular type three. Um, after they've removed all of that, whatever skin is left, they pull it together and stitch it up, allowing only a small hole um, to accommodate ur urination and, um, and menstrual blood flow later on. So that's number three. And then type four is um, just cosmetic reasons. It could be pricking or scraping or any, anything like that that they do to the vagina. So those are the four types that they do. But why do they do them in the first place? The reason why, and you could, there there could be a myriad of reasons if you talk to, especially the people who practice it and believe in it, um, why it's practiced. Some societies feel that unless the girl has had the procedure done she's not marriageable she's not a woman she will not she's unclean um and and it's just a myth it's a belief that they have and then in some in other societies it's believed that um the procedure will reduce her desire for sex like you mentioned mm -hmm. if if she should dare have any desires it's going to reduce it or take it away completely um and i believe that that is the main that is the primary reason of course they the women the older women believe that they strongly believe that their daughters will not be able to find a husband Oh, sorry, we and in, there are other societies where they believe that the clitoris and the labia are are male parts on the female, and if they don't remove it, um, she will grow a, a penis that will the clitoris will grow to to the point where it will be like a third leg, you know. So um, oh that that's in. in <laughs> Yes, they actually believe. So that's what I meant by there could be there's a myriad of, of, of reasons why they will give you. Um, some societies believe that if the clitoris touches the baby's head during birth, the baby will die and the mother's milk would be poisonous. Oh you know, so those are all the myths that they have that they believe depending on what society, what village they come from, um, who's practicing it. Um, it could be any, any of those variations and you know this you know just the main reason mm -hmm. it, it just shows how 
you know, stories get passed down and, and you have no idea, you know, where they stem from or what the reason was and, and how, you know, in a lot of ways it's, you know, the, the hysteria of it, you know, that people didn't stop to question, you know, is this real, you know, uh, should we get some medical facts on this before we put anybody through this? Um, it's just become such a tradition that they don't question anymore, do they? No, they don't. Well, when you look at the history of of FGM, as we refer to it, the acronym for female genital mutilation, it goes back, it dates, it predates religion. And that's what I want to say that um, clarify that it has absolutely nothing to do with religion. People tend to um, hide behind religion, um, but it's not. It's a cultural, traditional practice. It's not religion. But um, it's back to the Pharaoh days. Um, if you recall, when I was listing the various types, um, it, uh, type 2 is referred to as the Pharaonic. They actually named it after the Pharaoh because it, it goes back to the days in Egypt. It was originated in Egypt in the days of the Pharaoh. That's when they started doing it. And then the practice just trickled down to sub-Saharan Africa and, um, and to the Middle East and then parts of Asia as well. Um, what countries are still practicing this openly? Well, 26 countries wow. in Africa are known to be practicing it. Um, in Asia, parts of India are practicing it. Indonesia practices it at 98%. Wow. Um, Malaysia practices it at 98%. Um, and Middle East, Yemen... Um, Iraq, parts of Iraq, and um, in in the Middle East, you'll find it practiced in those parts. Now, so this is not today. Be yes, go ahead. Because of Im immigration from other countries, from those practicing countries to um, to the Western world, it, FGM has found its way to to the United States, to Australia, to to the UK, as well as um, Germany, Sweden, Denmark, um, and countries in, in other countries in Europe. Um, but it's illegal in those countries. It is illegal in those countries, yes. It is illegal in the United States. It's It's been illegal on the books in the U.S. since 1998. And But it was really not, the law was not really enforced at, after 1998 because it, it took a long time, it took years for Americans to realize that it was really being done here. And every time I spoke on it, I, I mentioned that grant from one of the practicing countries in West Africa. And I know that we bring our cultures with us mm -hmm. from wherever our habits, from wherever we come or wherever to wherever we go. And if practicing countries that practice it there, they will bring it to wherever they go and try to practice it. And, and in 
2018 is when the breaking news came out that um, the, it, they had found cases, um, documented cases in the U.S. Um, where it had been done. And um, a father, a Nigerian father in, um, or Ethiopian father in, in Atlanta, Georgia, had taken a pair of unsterilized scissors oh. and clipped his three-year-old daughter's oh. clitoris, and she she was hemorrhaging um, profusely when he panicked and rushed her to the emergency room. And of course, when they realized what had happened, they they arrested him. So um, that was proof that that yes, it was an eye opener that um, this is being practiced here. And, and in the UK, it's it's rampant, um, but they have clamped down on, the laws have clamped down on, on it. Um, the UK is far ahead of where the US is um, with the practice because they, with the law being enforced, because um, they even have it taught in schools now. They've entered it into the, the curriculum at school so the children will know not only um, the children born of immigrant parents but also children that are born of um, parents in the UK or parents in the US they need to know what's going on because they befriend these children yes. born of immigrant parents it's important for them to know so that they might help to save their friend if they know all the dangers and they know the signs they've been taught what to look for. They might just, in a casual, innocent conversation, mention to a teacher or to a school nurse or to their mother and say, you know, she's they are preparing her to go um, back to her parents' country to visit. And that is a red flag right there because that's where vacation cutting comes in, which is a whole other topic where to the, take the girls school, take them to their country of origin and have it done to her there and bring her back. And the U.S. law now states that it is since 2013, it is illegal to even do that. Whether the girl, the child is born in the U.S. or not, as long as she is a resident of the U.S. and you remove her from this country and transport her to another country for that purpose, when you return with her and there's proof that it was done to her, the parents or whoever decided to do it is um, will will bear the penalty, which is. Um, minimum five years imprisonment and a, a huge fine. Good, and glad to see that there is some jail time to do with this. And, you know, many of these practices, there's no, you know, anesthetic or, or any of, like of that. I mean, it's extremely painful, isn't it? Extremely. It's, it's <laughs> um, from what I've been told, it's, uh, the pain is just... Um, and uh, especially for a five-year-old mm -hmm. child, a, a seven-year-old child, and with with a woman who it was done to her at four years old, and she vividly remembers everything. I don't know about you, but I don't remember anything that happened to me when I was four years old. I remember and and some and and everything that happened to me at six but this 
young lady it was done to had four years old and she can tell you in detail what happened to her so it, it never leaves them it's um it's it's a psychological scar as well as a physical scar and and sometimes that emotional scar um goes far deeper than the than the physical scar yeah i mean it's it's a, it's a traumatic experience so you know so they probably have post-traumatic yes. syndrome because of it and uh, um you know we we you know i always love it how it's always done to the women you know, we don't ever hear anything happening to the men through the years. Um, you know, well, they try to try to compare it with male circumcision, and I am always quick to correct that and yeah. say it is no comparison whatsoever. It's apples and oranges. Yeah. Um, how dare they compare that? Um, there is a purpose for why. The, the circumcised males for the they remove there's a skin that um has no reason to, to to be there no need to be there when they remove it it doesn't do anything to the male when they remove that skin mm -hmm. but why are you removing the clitoris why are you removing parts of the female genitalia there's no reason for it to be removed and as some women um say will say who who have experienced it they said you know leave me the way god made yes, me <laughs> that exactly. there's no, no reason to tamper with me yes well i mean you know god isn't meant to make mistakes and so you know the why would he make a mistake in the woman i mean it's there for a reason and and you know pleasure of course is is meant to only be a man's thing and not a woman's thing but we know that you know if if a woman is in pleasure it's much more pleasurable for the man so um it's a it's a barbaric practice that it's sick to find out that it's still happening so much around the world um but uh, you know stopping it here in the western countries you know as you said speak out about it be aware if you have children um and they've befriended children from any of these countries whether they were born in america or not you know pay attention um speak out on their behalf because they don't have a voice but you know how do you battle this in in these other countries where it's like 98 percent i mean how do you change that well that is the task that um, we who are activists and advocates against fgm it's a task that we are faced with and and it's not something it's not it's compare it to other forms of gender-based violence and I'm not lessening the gravity of any of the other gender-based violence such as um, domestic violence or um, or child abuse. It's, it's part of child abuse but yes, it it's, it's so different. It's so unique from the others because, um, because it's the parents that are permitting it that yeah. are allowing it or the grandparents the grandmothers or the, the the aunts you know the older female members of the family and and it's so deeply rooted in the culture that um the cultures of these countries that it is difficult to penetrate and and but we are making we, we are making strides they are small steps and they are small strides we have to look at the, the with my organization and with some of our partner organizations is 
not the antagonistic um, approach because we've tried that has been tried and all you going all is is they will go underground and do it yes so in it in a country it's it's important because passing the law so that they know if I break this law to be prosecuted I'm going to, to bear the penalties but just stop there passing the law I'm sorry you're cutting in and out a little bit oh I'm sorry uh, can you hear me I can hear you just every now and again you cut in and out oh but I was saying that just passing the laws and putting it on the books to make it illegal in these countries is is the first step but the law and making sure that people are educated education is the key to um to to helping to combat this thing because if people are informed about it they it's going to help um but so i think educating the public but yeah but you know where how do you do that because it's you know, if you get to the kids in school, by the time they understand it, it's probably already happened to them. How do you educate the grandmothers that aren't, you know, really don't leave the home fronts, you know, that this is wrong? That's you know, do you educate the, the medical people? Who who do you educate? You, you, you educate all of the people you just listed and more. You educate, you work with the parents. Most of the parents and grandparents believe that they are doing the girl a favor this is out of love this is this is um this is something that they they are doing because they love the girl the girl child well how do you explain to a woman who has been all her life she's been told this is an act of love and you're telling her it's not it's not an act mm. of love we know that you love her but this is going to hurt her and not only hurt her on the day it's done to her but it will hurt her for the rest of her life she could die she could die in childbirth years later so that's the teaching that needs to be told to them the fathers and the grandmothers and aunts you we need to teach them and educate them about this um the health risks that's the angle that we go with and then you also the nurses and the physicians all the 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 healthcare workers they need to be educated the teachers at school need to be educated on it so that they will be able to detect when they see a girl at school and she's not comfortable sitting down in the seat they know that it's been done to her mm -hmm. and and that that is a sign or like i said if they are preparing her for a trip overseas to go and visit her grandparents that is a red flag so but these teachers and school nurses um or medical personnel they will not know or even law enforcement they will not know what to look for if they are not informed if they are not educated about it and know nothing about it how are they going to enforce the law how will they suspect what is going on exactly and not familiar with it 
So the signs are very, very important. It's also kind of you're changing a culture that's been around for so long. Uh, and, you know, the, their argument is, well, I'm here. It was done to me and I'm here. My daughter's here. Um, yes. you know, and so, you know, it's like, well, you know, that she'll be fine. But, um, you know, what they don't realize is that actually taking away a woman's rights. And but that we are talking about cultures where women don't really have many rights in the first place. Yes, women, women are just um, are just gaining rights slowly. Mm -hmm. Have just come from from the days when they couldn't vote and the days that they were. It just it was just only a few years ago that in Zimbabwe, I believe that in, in somewhere in Southern Africa, that women were finally allowed to own land to purchase land. They couldn't before, and it was only a few years ago that that happened. So women are have always been held back, and this performing female genital mutilation on a girl, um, it it holds her back her entire life. There are so many cases where um, women have died in childbirth because of that. She and the baby died because of, of what was done to her at an early age. Um, if they are in a village where there's not there are not hospitals to take her to an emergency room when she goes into labor and there's um and and it's been done to her just imagine the infibulation type there's no way that that little opening they leave there um to accommodate urination a baby will be able to come through right. with natural childbirth she needs cesarean section and if they are not in a hospital setting to do it she's going to die she and the baby yeah and it's like you would think after all these years they figured that out you know so it's um you know that they have to be questioning by now a flaw now would you say that today just because you know schools are opening up more for girls uh education is happening out there that they're realizing they can be more than just baby makers and serving their man um, you know that they are entitled to careers and they can get jobs and they can have lives of their own um, do you think that that is kind of opening them up to actually understanding that these traditions are wrong and uh, you know obviously then there's the permission for them to kind of follow a different path absolutely they um, that's they're now um the young girls um, who are who have undergone it in the past are saying um, the girls in their 20s and, and 30s and even 40s are saying, I'm not going to have this done to my daughter. Right. So they are running from it. They are fleeing from it. They they don't want it done to them. Um, and all because of education and exposure and and because people like you in the media who are helping to educate the public, your audience, and explain about this, it, it's now, it's no longer a secret because keep in mind when they done to the girls, they instill in them that happens to you here today, you are not to tell anyone. Mm -hmm. If you do, you will die. Right. Well, a five-year-old or a or, or seven-year-old girl will believe that, that she will die. So 
she keeps it. It's a secret she keeps for the rest of her life. And she will not tell anyone. Well, things are different today with social media and and the media itself and people like us who are um, who who are activists and advocates and talking about it and pounding on it we um, it, it's now become it's no longer a secret they cannot keep it a secret and the girls are coming out and talking about it and saying this happened to me um, so that is going to be that is helping as well to end it um, because those girls see the wrong in it and they don't want to carry it on to the next generation. So we are we are hopeful that as um, within the next, the UN is hopeful that within the next generation um, we can end it. I would say um, definitely within the next two generations we should be able to see um, to see it ending. I don't know if it will. 100%, but I believe that within the next two generations it will, because even the men, some of the young men are leaving their wives because they cannot deal with the um, of sensuality right. in the bedroom. They are leaving their wives, yes, because they. Um, one man said, my wife is like a dead chicken sleeping next to me. So they are not, they, they don't want it. A lot of the young men are, are coming out and saying, I want a woman who's not cut. I don't mm. want a cut woman. So I, based on on those reactions, we will see that um, that things are going to change within the next two generations. Now, can anything be restored once a woman's been cut? Yes, um, thanks to to a surgeon, the first surgeon to um, perform such surgery is Dr. P.F. Foley's, and he's in France. Um, he has performed, I believe, thousands of such surgeries. Um, he trained the the most famous um, American surgeon who does it, um, practices it in the U.S. is in San Francisco, Dr. Marcy Bowers. She um, she is an expert on it now and. She also travels the world and goes and trains people in Africa and it trains other surgeons in Africa and Asia and Europe um, to, to, to have the surgery. The, the, it's called the clitoral restorative surgery where the, um, Dr. Marcy Bowers explained that the clitoris just what we think after they remove, they cut it off, it's only the part that you can see with the naked eye that they remove. But she said the clitoris extends far deeper within the body. And so all they do is go in and pull up whatever is, is hidden and, and they can restore that, um, that, that, that organ um, to the body. Well, that's one good thing, but, you know, just imagine yet another surgery to go through. 
Um, do you think actually by hitting the political governments of these uh, third world countries that this is still happening here, Pakistan, etc. Um, you know, you have a lot more women in power in government now. Do you think that by, you know, standing up and saying, you know, as a government thing, we're going to make this illegal, this practice is going to stop now. Uh, do you think that will have any effect? Do you think there's any hope that governments in these countries will do that? Governments have, and and the gender of the of the heads of state or the presidents um, really haven't it, it it hasn't played a role at all, especially for Liberia. Liberia is where I originally come from, and we have a, a female president there. She's been president for the past eleven and a half years. Um, out and she upholds it she upholds the practice um and refuses to outlaw it and yes i we have been putting pressure on her um i use the newsletter our um organization's newsletter to um put pressure on her and write i even did an open letter to her and um and and ask her would she please ban it just for the sake of these little girls um but there has been nothing she is steadfast about upholding that law and so in Liberia there is the no law for more shows like this and all the, the interviews of, of extraordinary MGM. people from However, around the world Nigeria, the president in Nigeria recently radio.com he banned it. Um, also, the president of the Gambia, um, he banned it as well. It's been banned in Senegal. Um, in in several countries in Africa, it's been banned. But unfortunately, Sierra Leone, Liberia, and, um, and Mali are the three West African countries where they continue to practice it without a law against it. And you would think that a woman president, who probably she was cut herself, would realize, you know, that this is barbaric. And it's, uh, it seems quite, quite mind-blowing that she, you know, is, is turning a blind eye to this and not even listening. I don't know how she sleeps at night yeah. because yeah. I, don't, I don't sleep at night when I know that there are little girls out there mm -hmm. um, being captured and taken in to, to have this done to them. Yeah. Um, every you know, day, 8,000 girls, 8,000 oh. girls are cut every day in the world. Wow. 8,000 folks. Now pay attention to that. Um, you know, that is 8,000 children, little girls going through a traumatic experience, having their rights taken away from them, um, having their sensuality taken away from them. And there isn't anybody in the world that has the right to do that. Uh, nobody has the right. You know, we, we teach our children right from the word go. Your body is your temple. Nobody has the right to hurt it. Um, you know, child abuse, anything. Nobody has the right to do that. This is child abuse of what's going on now. And in, in, in a yes. lot of ways, it's a reverse sexual act, um, which is, you know, barbaric. Um, and it really has to be spoken about. And you know what you're doing you've set up an entire foundation to support this and to you know the one-on-one -on -one counseling the group counseling the network of participating um, ob1 um, ob doctors uh the physical therapy the restoration um you know just i can imagine the you know the trauma that they're going through um they um, i can imagine for so many of these these girls 
because it's always been and it's now been done to them they feel they're voiceless and there isn't anywhere to turn so just having an organization like you saying i hear you i see you i'm there for you let's try and help you you know can give a great deal of hope and they then in turn can turn around to those people beforehand and say don't do it or stand up for yourself it's a domino effect isn't it it is it is and we to bring organizations the good thing about um the advocates the um the people that advocate against FGM we are um together yeah don't work separately we all support each other's organizations we partner um with each other in programs so that and and events so that we can have of give a voice to those um, young girls and women who feel voiceless. Um, for example, we put on, this is our third year putting on a walk, we call it the Walk to End FGM in the U.S. Um, on the Washington Monument grounds. And in and we do it every fall. We started doing it in 2014. Um, when we first started, we had no idea. We were very apprehensive because we didn't know whether people would support us or not. And we were shocked when over 250 people show up on the on the National Mall to to support us and walk with us and and to to make speeches and talk to us and they were from various organizations like-minded organizations so that encouraged us and last year in 2015 we put on the second one um, we had a great turnout there and this year on October 15th next month we um, we are putting on the third walk to end FGM and this time we are expecting people from all over the United States as well as um, several organizations from Europe are coming to participate and and speak about it so um, it, it, like I said it's a slow um, but it, it's sure it's sure yeah. to get to where we want to to get yes have you found any um, celebrity or high-profile people that are willing to stand with you on this? We have not. <laughs> we we have tried, and we we have not been able to to find someone. Everybody um, tells us, advises us to you need to have a celebrity face yeah. to, to 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 be the spokesperson, but we haven't with that um, and it's not that they've said no it's just that they we we haven't been able to reach the um, who is willing to do that and we don't care whether it's a male in fact it will be it will probably be more impactful yes if, if it's a male spokesperson and if it's a, an athlete or um, an, um, an actor or whatever whoever it is we would welcome them to come up and 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 speak out against it because they have they have the voice yeah. and people listen to them they have an audience they have a built-in audience and people will listen to them so we're putting it out there we're putting the word out yeah. there if you're out there and you are a celebrity please come contact us and 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 be our spokesperson Yes, and, and it's, 
you're standing up for the basic human rights you know of a woman uh, of a child uh, not only is it a barbaric cruel thing that's happening to them but you're taking away their womanhood their sensuality um, you're a huge missing part how could they ever have a true relationship um, because that whole sensuality sexuality has been taken away from them and that is a crime and uh, you know yes having a male and a woman standing together saying this is wrong um, and uh, and that sensuality is beautiful you know is I think something as you say that one guy leaving his wife because he wants somebody who can can feel pleasure and I yeah. think you know and that's the thing a woman is meant to feel pleasure and a relationship is about both of you feeling pleasure about pleasuring each other it isn't just about the man and uh, so it's yeah the times have changed and it really is time to you know to stand up against this so I'm certainly going to put this out to to everybody I know and and um, most certainly need to introduce you to Jan Borgstead, who started Womanity. And uh, he's a gentleman from uh, Switzerland that uh, started a foundation to support women around the world through education, through um, empowerment. And he also started a radio station uh, for women with women only to speak to women um, in, you know, mm. uh, Africa and, and uh, Arabia, etc., and, uh, you know, he said, I've only got 40% male listeners. And I go, you've got 40% male listeners listening to women, you know, and hearing them oh. candidly talk about their stories. And I said, that is absolutely marvelous. And so I'm going to get in touch with him because he needs to have you on the radio over there and get this message out. Um, and that's how we do it, right? It's reaching out to other people and connecting the best you can. Um, Taslima yeah. Mahal. Um, uh, she's from Yemen. Uh, she was. Um, um, they tried to make her a child bride, and she ran and escaped that. And you know, she's all about the anti-stoning and everything. There are so many people out there that have run from it, and now are the spokespeople against it. So we just need to unite all your voices, so that you can stand as a choir, um, and kind of speak to these injustices that are done on women um, in in the name of what. You know, when it comes down to it, it was all about male control. And uh, women need to take back their lives and stop giving their, you know, their power away. And uh, but it, when it, It's their bodies. It is. It is. And, and these are children that it's happening to. They don't even know they have rights yet. You know, yeah. they have no say. They have no voice whatsoever. And, you know, it's their grandmother they love that's doing it. Their mother that they love that's doing it. And, you know, how can you look at your grandparents or your mother again and go, how can you inflict such pain upon me? And then grow up knowing what they've taken away from you. You know, it's we, we've got to look at this so much broader than just it's just cutting. It's the entire trust psychological and lack of power that's taken away from from that child. And um, it is an abuse um, and uh, it, it has to stop. So we have to speak up about it. So um, how do people join the walk? How do they get the word out? How do they participate? Well, they can go to our website, um, globalwomanpeacefoundation.org.org. And it's remember, it's global woman, like one woman, O-M-A-N, G-L-O-B-A-L-W-O-M-A-N, foundation.org. And they can click on register to walk and go to the walk page and register. 
we we are looking for volunteers. You can register as a volunteer. You can register as a walker, or you can even um, form your own team. Um, have teams is because we're going to give out first, second, and third prizes to the teams that raise the most money because the purpose of raising money for the walk is to um, send women to surgery so that they will, we send them to Dr. Bowers on the West Coast so that um, they will be able to get the clitoral restorative um, surgery done and they will be able to live um, normal lives, lead normal lives, have their children without risks. Um, have menstrual periods without the the extra pain and even a simple thing as a urination. Um, a woman who has um, gone through the infibulation type where they stitch her up, um, it takes her up to 30 minutes to urinate one time. Wow. Wow. I mean, can you imagine the health problems that happen from that? You know, I mean... Can, do these women live long? Some of them live to be 80 years old, be the the ones who are strong, but right. there are some who perish. they don't they don't even live past one week after it's done to them. And some live, but you know, if the it's a lot of bleeding and hemorrhaging and infection yes. um that can go into abscess and you know it's just high fevers and convulsions and shock um and if the infection is left untreated they'll they'll die the, the they they just have the worst pain that you can you can ever imagine you know the trauma because yes. they hold them down um when they they are fighting and screaming and they have all these women holding them down one lady told me that a man came and held her down because she was fighting so much a little girl seven years old she was fighting and they had a man come and and put his knee um on her so that she could be still so just the trauma um that is 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 bad enough the emotional problems well, this problems is going to the bathrooms but this yes is it is you know if if this was done anywhere it would be considered torture this isn't this is beyond abuse this is torture there's no anesthetic. You're cutting them in the most sensitive None. area of their body. You're holding them down against their will. They're terrorized. They're living in fear for their life. They could die from it. This is torture. It is a crime yes. beyond crime. And it's done to children. Yes. You know, I did a show children. on on, on, um, on sexual abuse where this team goes in. They call the abolitionist. And they made a documentary on it where they go in and... Um, pretend that they're you know they're johns and they're going in and they they arrest the people and and rescue the young uh, uh, young women and they've um they've rescued a number of children from prostitution um but it's so undercurrent and it's so you know prevalent you know as they get one another one comes up and it's you know it's really really sick when you think that um men can take pleasure out of sexual activities with children but how can somebody you're supposed to love uh, or love you 
put you through so much abuse, like holding you down while you're screaming in pain, um, and it's something that can kill you, and call that love. Had my mother done that to me, I would, I'm sorry, but I would have a difficult time yeah. um, loving her after that, or, uh, you know, just showing her the affection that a mother should have from her child, and, and that's why I, I have such great respect for the survivors of FGM, because um, they, they still mother they they resent some of them resent their mothers for allowing it to be done to them but they still don't hate their mothers all the ones that i have spoken with and and counseled they none of them have said to me i hate my mother you know they resent her for allowing that to be done but they don't hate her and and I, I I just respect them for that because I don't know what I have mixed feelings about how oh, yeah. I would have regarded my mother after how that. How did you escape it? Well, my parents didn't. They just didn't believe in it. They were not from the sect where um, that practiced it. So they were they were educated people. Um, they were Christians, and like I said, I, Christianity has nothing to do with it. Religion has nothing to do with it. But they were they probably have wanted to kill someone who tried to do that to us. Um, the, I couldn't phantom uh, my parents even allowing that to right. for my sisters and me so we i i feel very very fortunate um very blasted that it didn't happen to me and people ask me all the time the kind of passion you have for for this thing um did it happen to you and and i tell them you don't it doesn't have to happen to you yeah. to develop passion it um to someone I knew um, as a child, and um, that is enough to um, to develop passion. But uh, I well, just know, feel you, passion. Exactly. I mean, whether you know somebody or not, you can have a passion over an injustice that is so utterly cruel, and that is a, a, um, condoning a torture. If you don't have, yes. any, if you don't have any emotion about children being tortured which this is what it is it's a torture and their rights being taken away from you if you don't have any compassion or passion to want to make this stop time to go and have a conversation in the mirror because what kind of human being are you yes if you're yes. not outraged there's something wrong right especially if you're a woman <laughs> yes, yes. But I mean, you know, it's 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 sick that these practices in 2016 are still going on in the world. It is sick when we see, you know, men stoning women. It is sick when you, you know, honor killing. You know, all of these things. It's it's all about kind of old practices that they use as an excuse, which is really all about the ego of the man. It's all about the ego of the man, and that they fear women, and they should fear women. <laughs> Because when we're in, in power, there's no way we're going to tolerate this nonsense. And uh, and this nonsense yes. has to stop. And, you know, men, if they want to truly be a man, a real man, 
embraces his woman wholeheartedly in her wholeness for everything that she is. And that's a real mark of a real man. A man to enslave a woman in any way whatsoever is an inferior man. And we really need to start looking at this demographic of, you know, me man pounding chest, you slave. And those days are over and we need to start changing that dial. Yes, absolutely. So you to to work tirelessly. Yes, and you know, thank you for being so dedicated to this because you know, it's not a sexy thing. You know, a lot of people join foundations because they think it's, you know, this is sexy, you know, saving animals or this or that, which is wonderful. I com you know, completely condone any activity that you take. But this is one that, you know, some people might be embarrassed to talk about. And we've got to put that embarrassment away because there are women out yes. there that are dying. There are children out there that are, are being tortured and their lives being ruined because of it. So whatever you feel about it and whether it's a sexy subject or not, we have to put all of that aside and speak out about it because that's the only way we're going to stop it. And thank you for for bringing light to it and putting it on your show. Well, thank you for giving me the light to put on. <laughs> so let's talk about your book, um, When the Games Froze. What is that about? It's about female genital mutilation, but it's not, um, it was my own story, my personal story, but I, as I said, clarified that it, I didn't experience FGM. I just, I decided I'm a novelist, and so I decided to write a book about the topic because I wanted to bring light to it um, to in the U.S., to people in the U.S., and since I already had an audience and I had readers from my first book, I decided to write um, a story with facts um, about FGM, and it's about a girl from Ghana originally who comes to the U.S., and she um, she underwent um, FGM in her native country in Ghana when she was a child, and here she is in college, um, and she has American roommates, and um, she never tells, she keeps it a secret like they all do, um, something happens that sparks it and and brings it all back to her, and she reveals finally reveals it to her friends that um, that this thing happened to her when she was a child, and the friends become outraged. And this is what I I wrote the book in in that context because I want people to to do the same i want what what my character in the book uh, what her friends um became after that after hearing about it like you are becoming after hearing about it with us talking about it today i want people who read the book or who hear about fgm to have that same reaction because they were angry and they decided to to start a movement in the U.S. and in the world against FGM. Um, so that that is the that's the story in the book. And and you know for some people, it is the storytelling where you know that captures them. 
um you know it's um you've brought a lot of reality to in it but you've you know made it a storytelling so that it's easier to read and some people really attach to a story that way better than they do to kind of the cold hard facts kind of details in front of them so whichever way captures them is <coughs> what we need to do and uh yes. you know i don't care how you hear about it you know what moves you or or what just stand up and speak out even even if all you do is keep posting the show up on your own social media you know um get people talking about it because when things are hidden when we aren't willing to speak about it when we don't do any of that um we're condoning it because we are abstaining from sharing the horror of it remember folks these children are being tortured this is torture they're being killed because of this torture whether it happens uh, quickly or whether it's over a long-term period the death rate is extremely high and you can be somebody that can put a stop to this by purely sharing this show sharing this uh, posting with all the information on it, it forming a dialogue of it um, you know if that's the only way we're going to do it is let people know what's going on and keep sharing it keep sharing it keep sharing it so that we become a more unison voice to make it stop um, we don't do anything by putting our heads in sand. Sometimes things are unpleasant and we don't want to know. But if we don't do something about it, what about those innocents that have no voice? So we need to be their voice for them. Absolutely. So what's next for you? You have the walk. The book is out there. Um, what is the next thing that you're doing after this? Well, I'm currently working with um, Great City Schools um, here in Washington, D.C. to um, to put together a special toolkit. It's an educational toolkit that will be made available to, um, to teachers and school nurses and school counselors um, be able to um, use that as a reference source on FGM. Um, we should have that available, completed and available um, by the end of the year, in December of this year. Um, we also, I'm also working on um, textbooks for children um, on FGM in child-friendly language. So it's always um, something that we're doing. And of course, we're in the social media age. So, you know, a simple uh, short YouTube um, of somebody that's been in it and kind of showing them as very westernized. And then as a camera goes out, then showing the hundreds of thousands of children that go through this every year and the death rate and all of that because that type of thing is shared so much faster through social media um, so you know that's another thing I know you do have one up here that I do have here on the posting but you know that is I think when you bring it home and you show that it's happening here in North America that it's happening in Western societies and then this is this is you know what's happening around the world i think then people attach to it more so you know absolutely it, it's uh, however one can share it get that message out because it's something that we cannot turn a, a you know um a blind eye to it's very very important and uh really we we are up in arms about many things that happen in the world and especially when it comes to torture you know how it is completely and utterly wrong and yet 
we're allowing this torture to happen to children to children folks to four-year-olds five-year-olds seven-year-olds this is torture and uh, we need to stand up and put a stop to this right now educate the men educate the uh, educate the grandmothers and let's bring this to an end uh, at the end of this generation and make sure that our next generation of kids never have to go through this and the only way we're going to do that is keep talking about it and keep doing something about it so they can reach you at uh, globalwomanpeacefoundation.org and any way they want to donate or volunteer or help or know more information they can contact you all through there Angela? Yes Sorry, cutting out a bit again there so they can go to the site and catch you there but they can also catch you at your email Angela AP at globalwomanpeacefoundation.org. You've also got a Facebook, Global Woman Peace Foundation, which a lot of your activities is on. And then you have one Global Woman at Twitter as well. So whichever way you know you want to share or whichever way you want to reach out to them, reach out and just even be a voice. If you can't be there physically, just keep sharing this information, keep talking about it, keep bringing the awareness. And as you said, not just to the women, to the men because let's have the men join yes. the women and speak out as well and you said when the men stand up against this this starts becoming an education in itself so really important to do in closing have you got anything else for us here to to go away with just please if you if you're in the washington dc area come and support us in the walk on october 15th it's a saturday at 12 noon and go to our website and register, pre-register, or you can even just send a donation toward the surgery, the restorative surgery, and um, go to the website, and or you can write to info at globalwoman.org. Excellent. Wonderful. Well, thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank it's, you. It's um, you know, as I said, it's it's a hard one. You're you're up against a, a big wind here, but you know, it, it can be changed, and um, and that only changes when we come together, um, in in unity to make it stop. So, uh, I will certainly keep this show going and and posted and awareness out there, and for everybody else to ask. Once you've listened to this, do the same. Just keep the awareness going, and um, don't forget to donate because somebody's life that restoration is giving them back not just the sensuality but you're giving them back the womanhood you're allowing them to be a woman again um, so think about that and just any form of donation helps whatsoever um, because you are now empowering a young woman who's been through torture to regain some form of, of dignity and self again so uh, thank you so much for the work you're doing Angela Thank you, sir. And to everyone else, please remember, we are their voice. They're living in a silent world. Let's bring this to a stop by making sure everybody knows about it so we can put an end to it. Until next time, folks. <laughs>